Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming back to part two of my conversation with Doug DeAngelis. Last week was amazing and had so much great information that if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to go back and listen to part one as it will lead into our conversation today in part two. Today we're going to focus more on music supervision and Doug working on award shows and what that's like. And so if you're looking into wanting to become a music supervisor or a music director for an award show or a TV show, something like that, this is a great podcast show for you. So grab a pen and pad, get ready to take a lot of notes and sit back and enjoy. So when you, you're doing composing for shows and when you first started out and you're still doing that Mm -hmm. now, but you're also doing music supervision, you're a music supervisor for shows, which means that you're partly that you're picking songs like actual songs, like songs we hear on the radio type, you know, vocal mm-hmm. songs, those types yep. of things to place into either TV shows or film or commercials or whatever. How did you transition into that? Because you were doing composing before, or it's kind of, I know, because when you were doing like clearancing, yeah. clearancing music on the, on the, um, I was actually doing the other first. I was doing clearing music to, for my on, music direction. On like the Star Search type shows, things like that. Yeah. So I, you know, the, the real answer to your question is I really don't, it's two different things. Okay. So I music direct shows that are kind of either awards shows, which is sort of a variety show, right? You'll mm-hmm. have bands come on and play and you'll do medleys with, you know, best new artists of the year. And you'll have three of them and you're figuring out how to medley three songs together. Or you're working with the executives to get the timing right and figure out how to do it. Like I just, I did iHeartRadio this past year and we had like a, a medley of, um, lovely the band and marshmallow and one other artist and it was like how do you put these three things that are completely radically different into one medley and make it feel good and make everybody happy and so it's that kind of work that ties together with clearing the music that ties together with putting music for celebrities and you really craft the tone of the whole show mm-hmm. themes closing now this credits. is being being a music supervisor as you're doing all of this stuff. it's music supervision and music direction i do that as one job so music I, directing and music supervision as one job for award shows and music related yes. shows and a lot of them will have two different people do it i right. just happen to do both you do both so i i started in that because i could do the making all the music side and i learned to clear the music very quickly mm-hmm. it's it's clear music's a job it's really it's just a job you just figure yeah. out who the people are and you go get the music so real quick how do you uh, i was going to kind of get into this later but we're we're on it so let's just talk about it 
how did you, outside of you're doing Star Search and Next Big Star and those types of shows, but now you're working on award shows, like mm-hmm. CMAs or iHeartRadio shows, right. award shows, whatever it is, Billboard Music Award shows, things like that. Like, how did you end up working on those particular shows? Like, who calls you to say, hey, we need you, Doug DeAngelis, huh. to... Music supervise and direct our award show. I think, <laughs> I, I I think I started with. I think, I don't know. I stumped him. I don't know. I think I think <laughs> some of those shows were not far from each other because I would start to do like shows like I did like this show called Fast Track to Fame and we were, you know, all of a sudden we were like on all the NASCAR tracks doing this talent show. And then somewhere along the way in there of doing those kind of talent performance shows, you know, mm-hmm. next week, starry star searchy kind of thing. Somewhere along the way, some, I did one. I don't remember what it was, but I think it was called scream. I think scream awards was my first awards show I ever did. And it was for spike television. A, uh, an executive producer named Casey Patterson, who actually kind of started spike. She's a brilliant woman. Um, Spike, which is sort of the Maxim magazine of television, was actually, you know, the the brainchild of a woman who just, she's just such a cool person and she gets everything. She's great everything, great taste and everything and cool lady. And so I think she called me to do Scream. Scream was the sci-fi uh, comedy. It was like kind of like Comic-Con kind of world, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing anything. We, we, it was a celebration of all things in that realm. So it would be like shows like Lost or, um, you know, space shows and all kinds of that stuff. Yeah. And so it was an award show, but it was it had this whole sort of Halloween theme to it. It was very dark and spooky and creepy and it was really fun. And I think I did that. And then she started calling me to do all of my, started doing Guy's Choice and then then they started calling me to do like kids choice award and okay. teen choice awards. And it gotcha. was little just, by little. You'd, it's a relation. It's that relationship. It's all relationships. Built that relationship. So it's, I started with one and people started to get to know you from it. And when I moved to Nashville, those were the most comfortable thing to keep doing because they're kind of one-offs. It's like, you know, the show's on December 7th, you've got October and November to put it together. It's, I can do it all over phone meetings and stuff. I don't need to be on set and be in a spotting session every week and be on stage every week. We call it on stage. Dub stage is what a dub stage is where you mix a television show. You know, the composer is always on the dub stage typically. So, you know, when you're scoring a show, you've got two locked in days. You need to be present spotting when we go through the show and decide what should happen mm-hmm. and mixing on the dub stage, which is when we put it all to bed. And they typically want you there for both of those. So being here, it's hard to do two days a week there. I was doing it my first two years here. But the award shows are different. They're more of like, uh, you know, you work with these guys. Like I work with a guy, uh, a company called Don Misher Productions now. And we've done a lot of shows together or the, you know, people like Casey. They know what you're going to, they know what Mm -hmm. they're calling you. They know what they want from you and you know what they want from you and you do your job. It's kind of like that for everybody. It's not just me. So when, like on an award show, when they announce, you know, please welcome so-and-so to come out and announce what the category is going to right. be about. And they have like an actor and a musician come out and they talk and we tell We call them joke. presenters. Yeah, the presenters. The presenters. Of course, I yep, knew that. Sure. I'm just blinking. Uh, so the presenters come out and then there's the music that, that comes out with them. Yep. Are you writing that music? Or where is that music Most come from? Most of the time that's 
a lot of times it's production music library okay that i'm just editing a lot and working out you know a little bit that i like it's popular music sometimes i write it It, it's it depends on the show okay it's been all of the above like when i was doing because sometimes i'll do more serious shows like there's a show called cnn heroes and i don't do that show anymore but i did it the first i did it for a few years and a lot of it just gets reused now but it was a big theme that i wrote for that and then i'll I would score all the packages, and then as they came up to receive the awards or presenters, we used pieces of that score because it was a more serious tone. I mean, you're not going to use stuff like that on iHeartRadio. I mean, it's you know, it's Taylor Swift presenting for, you know, Casey Musgraves. So it's like you're going to use her music, and right. you're going to cope with all that. More of that comes down to dealing with her management and record company and figuring out like what do they want. You know, you might think, well, this is obvious. I should play this, but behind closed doors of a record label, they're already working on the promotion for the next single, which you don't even know exists. But that's what they're going to want. So, it's it's kind of just having your eyes and ears open and knowing a lot of the more the industry issues that go on the mm-hmm. the industry issues because ultimately awards shows are actually giant marketing events. Mm-hmm. It's we're marketing films, we're marketing artists, we're marketing you know so when you understand that it's a marketing event, you, then you understand that there's a lot of people behind all these artists, managements, labels, whatever, who have ideas of what they want to market. And, you know, you picking something from last year is clearly not what they're looking to do. But then you've also got your executive producers going, why did you pick that song? No one's ever heard that, you know? Well, it's because that's what they want. It's That's the next single. And, yeah. you know, they also may not realize, but... By the time that we do, by the time we shoot the show in two months, it's going to be on the radio. Yeah, that's another issue. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. It's like, see, nobody thinks about that. We, as people, as a as a viewer, you know, we don't, we just don't think of those things. No, when you're doing an awards show, I mean, the interesting thing about an awards show is, it's like two hundred brands. Right. Just, it's a million yeah. brands. All those artists are brands. Yep. And different they, genres and categories and they're all brands. There's yeah. a whole team of people behind those things making a brand. Yep. You know, and so you gotta match their brand. You gotta dial into what is their brand. When Demi Lovato walks out, what's her brand? Who are her followers? What's her audience? What's what's when the When she next comes out as as a presenter, you're musically you're thinking what's is her style right. so that it matches her. Who yeah, she and the is. truth is, I mean, singers are easier because they have music. It's yeah. harder when you get into like actresses and models and right. things like that they don't have music so what's their brand because mm. now you can pick from anything so what what's their brand so how do what's you what's Nicole Kidman's brand or yeah. so, George Clooney's brand sure so do you have to determine that you have to reach out to their management and like are you figuring that out with their people or are you making it up as you go I make it up as I go oh beautiful but they do have to approve it most of the time okay alright so sometimes they do sometimes they don't okay um, the big ones they do and you sometimes you go around in circles and sometimes you know it's like so it's but it's not just their brand. It's also the brand of the show. So when you've got George Clooney on Guy's Choice Awards, that's a really interesting mix because he's such a brand, right? George Clooney's brand is debonair, right? He's sophisticated, sort of soft-spoken, sophisticated. And Guy's Choice is like, you know, freaking Maxim. It's like Steel Panther and, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's raw. It's it's It's... Jack Black and Will Ferrell. Right. And it's that mentality, you know? So how do you have how do you maintain the brand of guy's choice and then find something that works for George Clooney at the same time? So that's kind of the 
the the task that you're playing with. So it's just fun. I mean, you just have fun with it. That's fun. You know, you just have fun with it. That's a cool job. It's and it gets stressful because the stress in those shows comes in that they often don't tell you who the people are until about a week before the show. So you're doing a lot of stuff blind. A lot of little rumors. I heard a rumor. Mm-hmm. Heard a rumor that this guy's going to be on. Heard a rumor that guy's going to be on. So you're doing, you're chasing a lot of rumors. Yeah. Preparing a lot of rumors. And then a lot of those rumors never happen. So you do a lot of work for no reason. I mean, anything you do in television, anything you do in any of this, it's another great lesson to know. Like, understand going in, you're going to do a lot of work for nothing. Yep. A lot of work hits the floor. And don't think of it as that. Just it's just part of the, the job. Work. It's just part of the job. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're producing a record and or a single and the whole bridge you wrote falls on the floor, it doesn't mean anything got wasted. It's just part of the job. Mm-hmm. When you're doing an award show and you got half the cast is people that were rumors and never happened, it's a part of the job. You yeah. just move on, move along, follow, yeah. you know, move on. So I'm curious how many like roughly how many people are there that do that particular job for with award shows like you do? Is there just a small, not, not many. Yeah. That's a pretty a small, small group. group of you. And I, I do, I particularly do contemporary awards shows. So they don't call me to do, I don't do the Academy Awards when it's an orchestra and they're going to do sort of orchestral arrangements. Oh, or yeah, anything. Okay. I do the ones that are MTV awards, spike yeah, pop culture, stuff. pop culture. I do pop culture stuff, billboard, iHeartRadio, things like that. Yeah. So where the music and the mu the the music and the you know the undercurrent music all has to tie well together with the artist's music and the feel and the theme and the brand of the show and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's what I do. I think it's probably easier yeah. to be. Tr- uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. They do their thing. I do my thing. Sure. I don't know. We I wouldn't do their thing and they wouldn't do mine. Right. So. Well, that makes sense. It just is what it is. So then, as far as like doing music supervision for a TV show or a film, um, what does that world look like? Because I'm, I'm interesting. It's interesting to me because, I mean, you're a busy man. Like, I don't know how you sleep <laughs> between composing for shows where you only get four or five, six hours of sleep anyway, and then you're supervising and creating music for award shows all the time, and then you're music supervising for other TV shows or films or things like that. It's like, it's a wonder you sleep at all. Yeah. I, I kind of tend to do one or the other on the regular shows, mostly score. So mo- most of the time I do both make music and clear music on performance shows and awards shows. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I write music for dramas or sitcoms and there's another music supervisor. Right. And we work together somewhat, sometimes, sometimes not so much. Okay. And then I also then will music supervise like films, like in indie films or things like that, and just help them with that. But then I'm not scoring it. Right. So it's kind of, it's all over the place. There's yeah. no rhyme or reason for any of it. And I like doing both because I like to be able to bridge things together. Yeah. So I think it, it's a unique place for you to be because you, it helps you understand, you understand both sides of the world. You know, it's one thing to be, a composer or a musician or artist or whatever, trying to get your songs into a, a show or a movie. And it's one thing to be a music supervisor who knows how to clear those things and get all the logistics done for it to land where it needs to go and pick the right song. 
but it's different when you understand both sides of it. You can, you know, as a composer and a musician, what the supervisor needs mm-hmm. and what the show needs, you know, you've got a different, a deeper uh, understanding of those things and vice versa. As a supervisor, you know, what will clear and what won't clear as a composer. Y- yes. And Correct. that's a huge part of the job is to have that catalog in your brain of knowing all the trouble spots, knowing just, you know, what to avoid away from things. Right. Yeah. Um, and the ability to create those things. If you know that that's the only path we're going to go down, mm-hmm. but no, it's a mechanics thing. Like it is a great blend because even for supervision, you, you, you treat songs the, the way you would the mechanics of writing a piece of music. Like you, it gets down to the fundamental, you know, um, you understand the very foundation of it, like how it glues to picture. One of the things I have the hardest time with here in Nashville is this town tends to um, look at, and it had nothing, it's, it's not a, a, a criticism of this town at all. It's just the way it seems to work here. I'm, I'm pretty new here, so I'm just learning how this works here. But there's definitely an element to, in this town of like, we write music for sync. We write music to be placed. And that in my experience of the, I mean, thousands of pieces of music in television, I never wrote music to be placed. Right. I wrote music for a specific thing and specifically, and whether that was a scene in a show and it was a song or whatever. I mean, occasionally we would write things off, but we knew what we were going for still. If we were writing for an indie film and they, they wanted joy division. And so they asked Kevin and I to do something we knew stylistically what we were going for. We knew the, we, we could understand very well the mechanics of why Joy Division sounded great in there or why Radiohead would be awesome there. Mm-hmm. And we could think through that. We weren't just randomly swapping at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, here, it's very different. Here, it's like there's sort of a notion of this is the, what the show likes and write stuff and just send it. And I don't, it's different. I don't know how that works. I I, I reserve in judgment a little bit. It just in my seventeen years of television, and in how we do it, we do it in a very. I mean, first of all, I don't know in those seventeen years that I've ever seen anything go down on a television show where people are in an edit bay, they need a piece of music, and they have time to send it to another city and wait a week or two for agents to send it out to artists to then go and write and then produce and then send it. I mean, when I would, the, those probably, because that's a lot of how I got involved in television. A lot of my work, I mean, my very first foray into television, I guess I kind of screwed that up on in the story, yeah. as it was actually for a John Wells show. It was a music supervisor who wanted to clear a Love and Rocket song and couldn't clear it, called me, and I wrote a piece of music I had done all the programming on it and that particular piece of music was mostly me musically um so i created this whole chase sequence that was sort of similar to it similar to that type of music and it was like nine minutes long it was a whole ordeal it was in a show called third watch that was john wells and i wound up scoring a lot of shows with john wells later on um but that was my first that was that's pre next big stars before everything because i was still making records that was just a one-off like hey i'm a music supervisor and i can't clear this song because the record company went out of business can you help me and i went I didn't even know what she was talking about. I was like, well, sure. I could just make it for you. And, yeah. But I gave it to her two hours or three hours later. Mm-hmm. There was no... So, and that was the norm. I mean, you would... Anything you were doing in television was, here's the chunk of 
you know, footage that needs music and you're going to have it eight hours later. I mean, maybe a day later, a day mm. was a long time. Like I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said to somebody on the phone is tomorrow. Okay. Like when I'm thinking, geez, this is a big one. I mean, yeah. they, they want to replace some, you know, epic song and it's going to, you know, it's six minutes and it needs vocals and you kind of go, is tomorrow. Okay. And they go, yeah. Can you have it? Can you try to have it over by three ish? <laughs> You're like, yeah. Okay. So, and you do. Yeah. You know, you figure it out. You start right then. Mm-hmm. And by first thing in the morning, you, you have whoever's writing with you, working on it overnight. You're sending them roughs. They're coming up with lyrical ideas and things. And you're meeting back at nine in the morning to get vocals down. You're getting them something that they can at least sign off on and go, yes, this works. Now go ahead and finish it. And you can take another day to finish it. But that's a total of maybe 48 hours, 72 if it's massive, you mm-hmm. know? But the notion that it's sort of this, I don't know. And well, again, So that was the way it was back then. Is it, And you you think that's the way it is. It's still that way now. I it's do. more that than mm-hmm. it is in the, the in the trenches of Hollywood. That's the way it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So I, that's why I'm, not, I'm a little disconnected here in how this works. I also, we don't work really to picture here. So I, I had a great time working on these um, getting in and, and meeting all these young artists and we're doing all this sync work and stuff. I think I could be a lot more helpful if we looked at stuff to picture, even if it was just random picture, to be able to kind of give them what you were talking about a minute ago, the, the mechanic stuff be, of being both a composer and a supervisor of the subtle stuff of how certain textures connect to certain styles of shooting mm-hmm. and how certain textures and styles of writing you know, it's like, it's how do they mesh into the visuals? Like, how does this blend in and become one? As opposed to lay over and be a song. Laying over and being a song is a piece of cake. You know, when you watch a, you know, when you watch an Apple commercial and there's a song on top of footage and it's really bright and you, it really jumps out at you, that's, that's easy to do. That's just quirky music and cool. That's yeah. picking a fun song. So I'm just curious, are, when you're talking about the being it down in the trenches and you're having to create you custom created this music for that one particular show when a music supervisor calls you and says, Hey, I need this to sound like this. Can you do that? Okay. That's you're creating a custom score or, or whatever song to, though. for that. Yeah. But as far as like, and I know what you're talking about because, um, I mean, I've got five or six different licensing agents that are, that are signing my songs and, mm-hmm. and pitching them for me, you know, because they'll get a brief from a music supervisor that says, hey, we need music that's kind of like this or, you know, this type of genre or whatever um, topic wise. And then they've got the licensing agents have my songs in their catalog. They pitch my song with however many other people to the supervisor. So as a music supervisor, do you ever do you reach out to people with briefs saying, hey, I need music like that? Is that just not really happened? Never for you? once. Never once. No. Never once. Okay. I mean, very occasionally anyway. Okay. Um, but then, okay, so uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Very occasionally anyway. All right. um, it's easier to do on an awards show because I can say, hey, I need, you know, really pacey hip hop or I need this or I need that because it doesn't have to so exactly match what's happening. It's not trying to put a perfectly round peg in a perfectly round hole. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean when I talk about like the, you know, commercials and stuff. You're sort of looking at it against it going, yeah, that's makes it. It makes it really come to life, mm-hmm. you know? But when you're talking about a song that's actually working as score in the show, and when I say working as score, I mean it's 
it's locked in where it's literally scoring a three or four minute piece of footage. Um, it is, I like that, that story I told you about that first one. I did hundreds of those hundreds of them, but I was watching the footage and knowing what the goal was. Um, so I think it's really difficult what they're asking of you here. I think it's a really difficult thing. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot easier to know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Well, the people that I work with are mostly in LA yeah. or or in Chicago or New York. Yeah. You know, the, the licensing agents that I work with. Right. But you're still here without the footage, without knowing. Right. Like, it's true. This is, well, I mean, I mean, I'm creating pop songs mm-hmm. or indie folk singer songwriter songs or whatever. You know, that is something that I would put out anyway as an artist. Right. Or, or I'm working with another artist and I'm co writing and co producing it or whatever and then sending to licensing agents who are signing the stuff and then they're pitching on our behalf because they're getting they'll get briefs from a supervisor saying hey i need this kind of music for this kind of show you know it's going to be a montage you know for this is us right whatever absolutely you know so those songs have to come from somewhere yep you know and and if it's an actual song that it's an indie artist like we can't afford to have Mm -hmm. casey musgraves but we want something similar to that that an indie artist can do and we can pay them $10,000 $10,000 as opposed to $300,000. Sure. You know, um, so that's kind of the world that I'm living in currently. Yeah. Yep. Doing that. And that's, that's what I'm seeing here. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at it and it's, in, it's interesting to me because it's very different than how my work was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, it was definitely much faster paced and much two or three steps, much more directly tied. You know, this is exactly what i this is the thing that I wish I had here. This is what we would like it to be. You know, you have a unique style and sound, but we think it will plug this very well. Can you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and a very fast turnaround. So it's a unique thing. It's yeah. it's an interesting thing. It's definitely a business model here. Obviously, it's a whole business rolling here. Um, it's it's interesting to me. I'm still trying to figure out quite how they tie together. So coming from both sides, I mean, yeah. I'm up from both sides as a composer of a lot of those songs that have been in TV mm-hmm. and themes and all that kind of stuff. And as a supervisor, I'm trying, I'm trying to see from both sides yeah. and go, you know, the, I, I never, or I very rarely work on something as a music supervisor where there'd be time to, put that message out and have it take that time to germinate music that then comes back to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever done that. I definitely have reached out to people whose music I like a lot and said, Hey, I need this right now. And, but they're sending it to me right then. So that's, you know, when you're so you reach about, out to the artist directly, if you something that or, you're... A, or a licensing agent, I mean, right. I, I haven't worked a lot with those folks. I typically work more directly with artists Okay. But yeah, it'd be the same kind of thing. So, yeah. but yeah, but you're, but it's more of an immediacy thing, I guess. Sure. You know, I, what the, the thing I'm still wrapping my head around a little bit is how that brief kind of lives in the world for three months and, and then is still relevant. That's for, the thing yeah. that's a little confusing. And, yeah. and I, it's not confusing to me. It's not quite sure how that works. How they, how they make it happen. Other than With see, time to, constraints. To me, if you're putting out a, a generalized brief of music, and it's existing out there for two months, that's not something specific that you need. That's just an overall tone thing. Yeah. So if people are creating things that are in that overall tone, 
the chances of them fitting as a round hole in a perfectly round peg that that perfect match is pretty unusual Mm -hmm. you know because typically in the bed they were cutting around what what was that song that the director wanted so bad Mm -hmm. it was you know blah 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 they're cutting that scene around that he's visualizing that when he's shooting it it it's not you know a loose fit at the end of the day that the music supervisor stuck in there. It's a very tight fit right from the get go. Yeah. You know, he, sh- he knew what he was shooting when he shot it and he cut it around that song. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden that song's gone and you're trying to fit things in there. It's quite a track. It's a very, all my point is, is this is a very complex set of parameters that is being pulled apart in two different cities. And it's quite interesting to me how that can be a functional thing because it's a complex connection between what's happening in the director's mind and the way they cut the footage. And then, you know, the disjointedness of all that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think my experience so far has been that when that stuff, when that happens and a supervisor reaches out to an agent saying, I need this type of song for this it is an immediate it's within 24 48 hours we need something whatever you've got we need it by then right to to pick and choose from and then it's it's move on um so but i can i understand what you're saying it's an interesting uh, that makes me wonder is what drew you to nashville if that's what brought you to that because you're in la so Mm. why did you make the move to nashville personal life personal life that's good that's all you need personal life it's uh um, and, and it's a little bit slower pace, <laughs> a little bit slower pace and, and, uh, some bigger goals right now. Okay. Um, I, my big goal, my biggest goal in life right now is I, is to try to, um, a lot of goals, but my biggest goal is to try to help musicians get back on track of making the kind of money musicians made before. Okay. Real money. Okay. Not, not. I love it. I'm listening. <laughs> not peanut, not not whatever they'll toss to you kind yeah. of thing. Before we go there, let me just go backwards one step sure. into the whole music supervision and songs and it because it's a message and this is my personal feeling and I'm it's something that it it ties us into the next part of this what I'm talking about. It's very important to me. Um I I am disenchanted right now with this the, the phenomenon of sync and you know, getting songs in television shows and stuff. As much as I understand all of it, 100%, I was in the very early days of doing it, and I've been doing it for 17 years. I get it entirely, right? I don't like the fact that the sense of getting music, of your music, so let me use you as an artist, okay? I don't like the fact that I want to be the music supervisor in this scenario, and I want you to be the artist. Okay. If I put your music into my show, mm-hmm. my sentiment towards you is thank you. You just made my show better. Right. I don't like the sentiment I'm seeing right now, which is you're welcome. I just got you a bunch of likes oh, of on, so- on social media. Sure. That turns my stomach a little yeah. bit right now. And I'm seeing it left and right right now. Okay, We have devalued music over the past 25 years, one step after the next. Mm-hmm. And if I, as a music supervisor, take your music and say, 
And my message to you is, you're welcome, man. I just got you 40,000 likes in Instagram last night. Gross. Yeah. That is A, completely devaluing. You made my scene. I didn't make anything for you. Any likes you got, you deserved. Mm -hmm. That's not me. That's you. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that to be something that I think the music supervision world needs to be take a step back on right now and think through a little bit because it's short-sighted. Okay. It's not understanding that it's another step of devaluing music. Music is independent now. Music has changed. The industry's changed. Mm-hmm. We Each change in the industry has created less and less monetary value for the artist. It is therefore devalued music consistently. Do not now devalue this part of it as well. Anybody who, you know, if, if a big pop artist, you use their music, and maybe they're an 80s artist, and all of a sudden they get, you know, 500,000 streams that night, it's not a you're welcome. That's a thank you. Yeah. That's a thank you. You marketed your show with their music. All that streams is kids who like your show. Monetarily, that adds up to about nothing for that artist. And... As much as it's wonderful, it's not a you're welcome. That's not how we ever treated music mm-hmm. in, in shows. And I'm not, I'm not liking that right now, that, sense of, that sentiment that we have artists all over the place writing for film and TV, and we can put their music in and tell them we made their world. It, that's, that's not the way it should be. Yeah. We should appreciate them way more than that. Well, and as an artist, if you, you put my music in a show, my sentiment is thank you for taking a chance on me as an artist in my song. And thank you for doing that and putting my music into the show. And that, because that's, that is helping my career. But at the same time, my goal as a songwriter, as an artist for, for TV and film is I want to fill a void that you may have, you know, I want to help you guys be successful in your show because I like your show. Right. Like I'm a fan of the show and if I can be a part of that, then that's a, that's a win-win, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a perfectly excellent thing. I say thank you to you. You say thank you to me. Of course, we both had. I my show got better. Your exposure got better. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm not putting that down. That's marvelous. Yeah, it just shouldn't be. You say thank you to me, and I say you're welcome right. to you. That's not or right. or the other or vice versa. And that is what we're seeing left and right right yeah. now. And that's uh, to me, I'm. And it, it, I'm sensitive to it because I am on both sides of the fence. Yep. And I'm sensitive to it because I've been in music now for 30 years. And I've watched the value of it change all these years. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not the superficial reaction that people will have when they hear this of, <laughs> of course, it just made, they, they just got all that exposure. That's, it's, that's very shallow thinking compared to what I'm talking about. I'm saying we need to think way above and way beyond that and realize that we have done this with music consistently yeah. and don't do that again. You yeah. always be respectful of the fact that that art made this better, not right. you're welcome. Yeah. You just got a bunch of, you know, 0.0006 streams that you should be so excited about. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's not, that's not the way we, that's not the way we respect and value music. It's yeah. just not, it doesn't matter who makes it. Sure. So anyway, that's no, just an issue. It. Thank you for, um, for sharing that. 
that's very personal to me and I don't expect anybody to think like me, but that is a thing for me. Um, I would love to see music. I would love to see the business of music stop accepting less all the time and try to be innovative and get back to more with innovation. Um, and so my move to Nashville was actually for innovation purposes. I, I came here with the goal of saying, how can we break the mold entirely and start over again with a new model that will actually generate real revenue for artists and not just have them take whatever we've left them by giving away things all the time. So I have a company here called Black Sleeve Media, and that's really why the move to Nashville happened. And, and we are working very hard on, a, on multiple solutions that are all based around rethinking the model of music from day one. Because in my opinion, if you look at music and you look at, so say you take music that was made in the 70s and you take music that's made right now, the consumption is the exact same process. It does, we may make it differently. We may analog world then, digital world now, kids on laptops, all these things, great. That's all great. But at the end of the day, the consumption is, in, for the most part, in stereo, in headphones, or on speakers, right? We, we've changed the delivery method. We've done a lot of things to make it more convenient, but we have never done anything to make the experience of how you experience it really differently. Yes, we've had 5.1 and 7.1 and all these sort of formats that have been more for film world, but it, it, nothing, none of that has ever become the mainstream of how people consume music. In, in fact, we used to be more like audiophile based where we had big stereo systems in our home. Now it's like kids listen to music in earbuds yeah, and on right. laptops. It's just life. That's yeah. or out of their phone, really. I mean, yeah. I can tell you how most mo tons of music is consumed out of an iPhone or an yeah. Android speaker, right? Now... You compare that to the video game industry and you go 19, same time, same time Queen came out, Pong came out, right? Mm -hmm. Boop, boop, two yep. little ball going back and forth with two paddles. Look at it now. Right, sure. Think about the evolution of that in video consumption yeah. from this completely two-dimensional, you know, thing to now this these you can't even tell what they're watching it's television virtual reality or, now. it's virtual reality it's and, and they so consistently over time everybody in that industry is pushing the boundaries of innovation the reason the game the consoles are changing constantly is to keep up with the cap is to is to allow the capability to satisfy the innovation right we're going to take gaming to another level constantly we need a we need a box that can you know, make that happen, that mm. can play it back, that can handle it, right? So everything about the platform is evolving to chase the medium. We don't do that at all in music. So the goal has been really to work on a completely new medium for music that can be experiential like that, where kids will actually, because they spend a ton of money. I mean, the gaming world we know is, it. the gaming world dollars. just surpassed film, television, and concerts all combined wow. roll them all together it's, it's a billion dollar plus industry isn't it multi-billion dollar yeah. industry right so and it's all about innovation so we have to we have to come back and take that again upon ourselves like when i say what i just said about the whole music supervision thing i make the first person that i hold to that myself mm -hmm. right 
And I think we should all do that. We should always, we should make ourselves the first person you hold accountable. So I always want to make sure I treat musicians as though they're val- they make my show better, not I'm helping them. Um, I always want to treat music with innovation. If, if, if I'm going to feel that way, I want to come and start a development company and say, how can we do that? How can we break the mold and create a new experience for the consumption of music that 12 and 13 and 14 year olds that are growing up in the, the crazy experiences of gaming can find value in that they'll spend money on. We know that they'll go to festivals, but look at the concert industry. The concert industry has evolved much more like the video game industry. It used to be an act or two acts, you know, an opening act and a and a the main act at Madison Square Garden back in the day, and now it's Coachella, right? right. It's like countless artists, and there's an art show going on, and there's business events going on, and there's just it's a whole massive experience. South by Southwest, right? Mm-hmm. People pay a lot of money to go to those things. There's money, and the visual in in huge concerts now. You know, nuts, it's just, right? It's all visual. And, so it's all there, yeah. but it's an experience that p- kids, you people have to be willing to feel that what they're spending their money on is an experience that they want to spend money on. We gave them two dimensional music a long time ago. We said that's free now, never not going to be free ever again. So we need to innovate that. And so my company here is working really hard on innovation in that zone where we've built some really fascinating technology for mobile devices that can play back multiple multi-tracks all at one time and gamify the experience of music and tie it all to different social mm-hmm. experiences and communication experiences and festivals and make it so it's a tie it to brands and make it so you're actually participating in the music and it's all virtual currency based. So kids are, they're not buying music, they're buying, they're unlocking all kinds of features and things that they can do with music. And ultimately that goes and pays the artist the same way the sale of a, of a CD would pay. Mm-hmm. So what is the name of your website for that? That's called uh, blacksleevemedia.com. I don't know how much is on a website right now. There is a site up for it. It's Black Sleeve Media. Okay. But there may be some somewhat up there, but it's all actually in, in mobile platforms right now. So we're starting, okay. we're, we're working on a concert platform for with a Live Nation company right now for concerts and festivals. And then we're working on a, with artists on a, artist release for so there's sort of two platforms up. okay but it's, it's it's a fascinating that's thing cool. so yeah that's Sounds that's really a big job right now that i've been working on the last three years okay man that's just that's good that's good stuff and what a great amount of information and that's i'm like i'm just trying to take it all in <laughs> that's a lot of information but it's so good uh based off of everything that we've talked about what advice would you give to someone wanting to get into whether it be music directing for award shows or, you know, Star Search American Idol, things like that, or music supervising TV shows and films or producing for artists. You know, I mean, there's so many different facets to this and you've done so much, but what would you tell somebody trying to get into this? Like, what are some, some step-by-step things to kind of get them in the door, Okay, you know, to kind of walk them through that process? Yep. I mean, first of all, I, I mean, as an overarching big picture, Enthusiasm. You, enthusiasm, obviously. <laughs> you just heard all of my madness. Yep. It's obvious that, you know, one of my thoughts is do a lot of different things. You know, you, they all have their own life and they're all tied together. So feel be, be very free about not saying, I only do this because I'm, you know, 
that's me. There's a lot of things that you can do as a musician and be open to them. Um, but in a, in a more um, specific and substantive kind of guidance, one of the things I think, and I think we've talked about it consistently through this, but it never said it. Um, the key to success for me in my life goes back to being eight years old and having that person at that music store teach me that technical skill, mm -hmm. right? He taught me a technical skill to match my mental skill. Mentally, I loved all those layers of sound. He taught me physically how to manipulate and mm -hmm. be able to express myself with that way. Right. So if you're somebody who wants to get into music supervision, I really think there's a tremendous amount of value in technical skills in being able to present your ideas to directors, to producers, the way you hear them in your mind. So learn how to edit music. Learn how to marry that edited music to quick times and be able to create nice, you know, so you can kind of take a show and you can put together all the different scenes and you can put all the music you thought edited the way you want, sitting nice, feeling like that's not hard to do. This is not hard stuff to do. It's, it's something anybody can learn how to do. But the difference between being able to present yourself and your creative ideas as a music supervisor to picture edited the way that you hear them so it's artistically doing what you're hearing in your head compared to just telling people you're a music supervisor and you like a bunch of songs everybody else knows too. It's a very hard world to get into right now, to be able to just walk in and go, I'm a music supervisor because I know a lot of songs and they're great. Mm -hmm. That's hard. But if you can show them clever, creative ideas and they can watch it and go, wow, that does look cool. They're, they have an interesting style. You can't show style without being able to pre present yourself. Okay. So I really think technical skills are huge and I think it goes across the board with everything. If you're a songwriter, learn how to program and do everything. Just, just learn. Mm -hmm. It's a job. Don't you don't have to do it tomorrow. You don't have to do it next year. Just get on the path. Yeah. Get on the path. It's a long journey. You know what I mean? And if yeah. it takes you five years to be good at production, that's fine. Take just get on the path and start to because it, it's your presentation. Yeah, real quick. So as far as like the music supervision thing, if somebody wants to be a supervisor, you say, Okay, you know, put put a show or something in QuickTime make a mini movie out of it and then put some music to it, cut it, edit it the way that you think it should be. So you can present it to, to a production company or, mm -hmm. or whoever. How do you suggest going, uh, approaching a production company? Like how do you get your foot in the door to talk to somebody to say, Hey, I'm a music supervisor or I want to be one. Here's what I do. Like, how do you get your, how do you even well, get that, that connection made? Well, you know, you can go to things like agents that represent music supervisors. So CAA and things like CAA that. CAA or my like first artist management things come different, a lot of different companies that represent music supervisors. But if you can show them something, they'll watch it. I mean, again, you're competing against a whole bunch of people that have nothing to show for themselves. Mm -hmm. So make something to show for yourself. So you need to be signed to an agent as a music supervisor. You don't that, have to be, but I mean, it, it sure does help. Yes. Okay. And you, that's, Signing to an agency, what what they're going to do for you, just to put it in and make sure it's realistic, typically what they're going to do for you, if you're a new person, they're going to have some kind of, they're going to have like indie films, things that 
came to them that nobody on the roster wants to do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get Randall Poster to stop doing a, ma- a massive movie to do some little, unless he loves it, of course, but if he loves it. But if, if it's something that... Indie films and it's people just just indie film. Out. They've got a little budget. They've got you know $5,000 for a music supervisor. If they see something they like, they'll go, hey, you want to take this job on? And they're going to charge you. They're going to take their 20% of you know, that thing you did, they're gonna make their thousand bucks off of it, but it's better than just throwing the project away and not doing it. Mm -hmm. And if you're a young person like that, that can follow through for six months on a project for $4,000 and that's the kind of thing you're gonna be doing. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely do it. But the only way you're going to get that is if you show them that you can do the job, not Mm -hmm. tell them that you can do the job. Okay. That's a big thing in, in what we're talking about. Telling people you can do this doesn't help you showing them you can do it helps you. Mm hmm. So as far as the agents go, if, if I want to be a music supervisor and I want to sign to an agency that's going to promote me and, and put me in front of production companies to do these types of things, CAA, Creative Artist Agency. Creative, yeah, CAA, Creative Artist Agency. Uh, besides them, like what type of agency, quote unquote, is it that somebody has to get online and Google? What kind of, you know, I need an agent to be, so I can be a music supervisor. What music kind of supervision agency, music supervision, okay. composer agency. Okay. A lot of them are the same. They do, same. they do both. You okay. know, a lot of them do both. Okay. Um, they also tend to manage music editors. Music editing is another critical thing to understand. Music editors are the in-between between both the composer and the music supervisor and the show. Because they're cutting it to picture. Yeah, they're the pass-through. Yeah. They're critical people to get to know and to send music to and work with. I think music editors are your first line people to get music to as an independent artist or as somebody that wants to get into it because they have to temp stuff. Don't expect to give them music and have it be, you know, bought, you know, licensed for a show. Give them music and tell them just to temp with it. Temp with it. Know it's going to get replaced, but it, it means your music's getting shown to directors and you can, you know, if you have a good relationship with them, after that show's aired, you might be able to get a copy back from them for your own, don't put it on YouTube. Right. But you might be able to get a copy back of that with your music in it, the, the original temp score, and be able to use that as your reel and be able to show people if you mm-hmm. don't have a setup where you can do that all at home. Mm-hmm. So those people are really valuable. Um, but yeah, agents, the things just ex- set your expectation that you're going to, you're just trying to show people what you can do to start. Yeah. And it will come. It will come from there. Yeah. When you're, when you say connect to a music editor and get to know them. So as an artist or a composer or whatever, if I want to reach out to a music editor, am I doing that just on my own? I'm reaching out. I'm looking somebody up. It's not going through. I don't need an agent to do that. I'm just looking up, just like I look up music supervisors. And if I want to connect with them personally, I just try to do that on my own. So they're if just I wanted... hardworking people like yeah. us. You they're know what I mean? Class they're just working la- class people like us. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to send your music to big directors. They're yeah, not, of course, going to give or get it through the door yeah. there. But a music supervisor is just a hardworking person like us. You know, yeah. and they and they want to do their job the best they can. So yeah. they find something great, and trust me, their music they're dropping music in more than anybody else. The supervisors are. Who, I'm sorry. The music editors. The music editor, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Their own music in. Don't yeah. let anybody fool you. <laughs> they are dropping music in more than anybody. Yeah. They have they have the knife. They're the ones holding yeah. the scalpel. Sure. They got the picture without music, and they got the, the Pro Tools rig. So 
Nobody's getting music in front of an executive producer or director More than faster a music than a music editor. editor. That's good. And no one's shaping the sound of a pilot or an early early on in a show more than the music editor. Okay. Nobody. Now, does the music editor, if somebody wants to be a music editor that's listening, they need to have an agent as well? No, they kind of, there's actual music uh, editing companies and you can go work for one of those. Okay. Some technical stuff to learn. None, mm-hmm. of, none of it's that diehard. But again, this is all one big job, man. Just yeah. just dive in. Like, learn how to edit cool music that you like. If it's your whether it's your own music or it's just your favorite music, start to do it. You know, yeah. I mean, I always tell people that like, it's great to write songs and want them in film and television. Why not start at home just by cutting them to picture? Why not learn learn how, learn what the, you're gonna learn anyway? Mm-hmm. When the when a music editor or music supervisor starts cutting them to picture, they're gonna come back with the same thoughts. Didn't work. Too much, too much this, too much that. Didn't feel right. Learn it yourself. Cut, p- cut to picture. Yeah. Pick up ten different shows you love and try the same song in all different environments, and you'll find it. You'll go, ah, I wrote this for you know American Horror Story, but it actually worked great in you know some crime drama. Mm-hmm. It worked great on FBI. Okay, you just learned a lot about your music right there, yeah. didn't you? Sure. You know, it yeah. doesn't support really creepy or really dark visuals. It supports procedural video, mm-hmm. procedural footage. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now you just reshaped your path. You don't have to change what you're writing. You reshaped where you're pitching. Right? So, I mean, I can't, I think it's so important. Try it in comedies. God bless you. Try them in comedies. <laughs> I'm t- it's the, one of the hardest things the hardest there thing is. To do, right? It's hard. Yeah. Try it though. Yeah. You might be that guy. You might be that guy that thinks your music fits this and find out you are the next dude for things like, you know, sideways and, you know, quirky comedies like that. And if you are, you just jump to the front of the line because that is a very niche thing in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Very hard to find. If, If that's what your music does. So my suggestion always is don't try to be something. Be you and try it in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. A lot of mediums to try your music in. People don't do that. They write music and say, I want it in my favorite show. Well, I want to be in the NBA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it would be great if that happens for me. I'm not saying don't try. Yeah. But also, you know, I know what, I, I've tried my skills on a lot of different things. And I know what works and what doesn't work. Dude, you're not going to see me, like I said. But that's I trial and error. You sure learn that. I don't, we already just, we already established, I don't do the music for like the, the grandiose Hollywood mm-hmm. red carpet award shows, the Academy Awards. Yeah. That's not my thing. Yeah. Anybody who does that really well will kick my ass doing that. I can do it if I have to, but they're going to kill me. So, uh, you know, marvel. I may want to do that, you know, until I'm purple, but learn what you're good at by just applying your music to all different things. Yeah. Your music will work great for something, you know. It could be you could be the quirkiest, trippiest stylist and you know writer. It'll work great for something. Yep. Identify it. Man, wow! Thank you so much. That's a great, great depth and wealth of information that you've so shared welcome. in a short amount of time. And I really, really appreciate you coming on and let me hang out with you here in your studio and just learn learn stuff a lot of times i feel like when i'm coming into an interview like i know most of this stuff already 
you know, it's kind of like it's rehashing some things for me. Sure. But some of the times I'm learning, I'm either learning something new or I'm relearning something that I may have forgotten, you know. But today I'm learning a lot of new stuff that I need for myself. So I know that people listening will be able to apply this to their careers as well. So uh, thank you for sharing your expertise. And yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. I look, pleasure. I'm glad you're here in Nashville. I'm glad we got to meet and um, get to know each other and look forward to hopefully a long friendship from this point on. And Absolutely. You know, Me so. too. And I learn a lot doing these. So, you know, I learn new stuff every day. Yeah. So I love doing this because I like just talking through it is a great learning experience, yeah. you know? Yep. Awesome. Well, Doug, thank you for your time. I appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of the day. My pleasure. Thank you guys again for taking time today to listen to our conversation with Doug DeAngelis. What an amazing episode. There's so much information. I'm still trying to take it all in myself. So I really hope you took down a lot of notes and be sure to see how you can put these things into practice into your life because it works in your music career, but it also works in anything that you do in life, right? Just do it. Just get out there and do it. Say yes. Say yes to the things that people are asking you to do and find ways to work these things into your career. And you can do it. Remember, Eden Brook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, or FaceTime. Be sure to let me know how I can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.